It's Time for Truth, a ministry of Truth Family Bible Church in Middleton, Idaho. It's Time for Truth exists to glorify God through the edification of His saints in our local church and for the benefit of the church around the world. I'm your host, Pastor Danny Steinmeier, and I'm joined in studio with my friend and fellow elder at TFBC, Jim Berg. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome once again to another episode of the podcast, wherever you may be and whenever you may be listening. We want to thank you for making us part of your day. Um, it, this is another uh, beautiful day here in uh, southwest Idaho and uh, enjoying uh, the weather. Uh, this has been a very mild summer, and this has been uh, just a beautiful month uh, of wonderful weather. Uh, sometimes it's hard to be in, in, indoors, but uh, a lot of things still require that. But uh, looking forward to um, this time together around the podcast. We also just came back from our church camp. And so if you were not able to join us at our TFBC 2023 church camp, we um, we booked the same time and location for next year. We expanded it a little bit. We, there are two group um, camp loops. And so we got both of those for next year. So we're looking forward to, to that. We had a wonderful time together and looking forward to many more uh, positive times and memories made um, in ne- even next year. But we uh, press forward now with the, the season two, Jim, season two of the podcast. Can you believe that? Uh, we started off in, uh, it was February when we began the podcast. And we started with, of course, our church distinctives. And uh, now we uh, are, are going to take a, a, a new move into season two, and we'll introduce that for you guys today. Before we do that, uh, Jim, how are you today? You know I'm doing good. I love the fall. It's September. It's beautiful weather. Um, cold in the mornings and get a little bit warm during the day, which is nice. Um, on the personal side, the back is getting a little bit better. I'm still dealing with a little bit of back pain and trying to adjust my schedule. I've got several things going. Uh, We kicked off our Wednesday night family Bible studies, which was fantastic. Um, We had maybe 40 to 50 people up in Middleton. So we had a huge group and large participation. Uh, We're studying living now for eternity. So this idea of thinking about eternity and how do we bring that into our lives in an application way here, really based on 2 Corinthians 4. Um, and it was just a great study. Um, and I will put our team, our Bible study teams, singing up against the other two groups. So we should have a, a sing-off or something. We did uh, <laughs> uh, we did Rock of Ages, which was just a fantastic song. Um, a little bit about living for eternity built into that song. So it was a beautiful night. And then on the other side, just I've got that Bible study. Um, I've got another study with two men. And then I'm doing some other teaching that I've got to prepare myself for. So really just getting back into a discipline of my time. And, you know, I know I can do it. I just got to make sure that I get a pattern built into that and get back to regular. And I think disciplining ourselves is really important. And uh, it's important to talk about as we prepare for Bible studies and things that we actually block off time and and discipline ourselves to do those things. Well, that's good. And and even this season, there'll be a fair, min- a fair amount of discussion about discipline, right? Right. Uh, so we will... Uh, uh, talk about those types of things, and great, those things are moving forward here. We're looking forward to our men's study coming up on this upcoming Saturday. It'll be past uh, by the time you hear this, but uh, we'll continue uh, uh, twice a month on Saturday mornings uh, to have breakfast together and uh, have a good study 
among men as well. So we're looking forward to all the things that the Lord is doing in our church, and we're really grateful for uh, all of our all the people that He is leading to us and these opportunities. Season two. What is season two all about? Well, we again, we love our distinctives, and uh, we hope that uh, you go back to them from time to time. Also, they're really valuable to share, so just encourage other people, especially as they become new to our church. A great way for people to immerse themselves and get to know some of the things that we value. Um, but uh, while other podcasts, of course, they're, they're looking into the, the strange and the mysterious, the supernatural, the, the demonic even, um, and we, we actually like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we felt that the uh, intergalactic diplomacy, as a for instance, was uh, less important to our church family than things like budgeting, things like um, finances. You know, and I, I was reminded, Jim, of uh, some of my time growing up in the church. I remember more than once hearing from a pastor that um, had, had done some me- at least a measure of calculation to say that the Bible talks far more about money, perhaps, than almost any other subject. And so uh, we are uh, going to be talking about, in this season of the podcast, uh, Christian economics, a Christian worldview of economics, and breaking it down, not just from the worldview level, but even into the, the, the detail level um, of thinking through um, finances. Now, some people, I think, equate uh, conversations and discussions about economics as if we're do- doing the same thing as talking about politics, because so much of politics deals with money, economics, taxation, all those types of things. And so uh, it, it might be something that doesn't seem as relevant for uh, spirituality and, and our spiritual lives. But uh, again, as we are are known to communicate and talk about, the reality is that all of life is under the Lordship of Christ, that all of life is spiritual. And so uh, these things do matter for us, and they're really practical ways for us to worship they're practical ways for us to be obedient to the Lord and to demonstrate where our treasure is uh, truly, as well as to th- think about and to, and to lead others in a way to view their lives economically. Um, so much of our lives uh, deal with economics in one way or another. And it's so. really interesting because you know we, you and I have talked about this. We we don't predict the future. We do not know what's going to happen in the future. But it doesn't mean that we don't plan and use wisdom and knowledge of what's happening in the world. We do have to, to look discern the lens, times, right? right? And so you and I have talked about the 2024 election that's coming up, right? If if that election is stolen again, <laughs> if that happens, then what are we to expect? Are yeah. we to expect uh, you know the liberals to let off the gas, or do we expect them to to harden down further with with further tyranny? Is what was what I'll call it, and so. I believe part of us preparing for a scenario, which is absolutely biblical, as you said, it's it's knowing the times. Going through first economics, going through first, are we being wise with stewardship? Going through first, are we are our personal finances, are our business finance? What do those things look like? Really set you up for what does the government overreach into and how do we respond to that? If you if you don't have your house in order first, when the tyranny comes you're going to be disheveled and out of control. And so I actually like the way that it flows, uh, that we eventually move all the way into just war theory through economics. And I think that that's an important concept of, of really understanding God's design for our responsibilities, which stewardship, as you said, is a huge part of that. And then transitioning to, okay, if they overreach, what does resistance look like? How do we resist? And what is it? And, and how do we be wise in this? So well, Yeah, and that reminds me of... 
it's even a common illustration. I remember hearing this again growing up as well. The idea of how do you um, how do you determine uh, when something is counterfeit? <clears throat> well, it it starts with being extremely familiar with the the genuine article, with the real thing. You know, all that that illustration we probably all heard it. You know, uh, people are taught how to recognize fraudulent currency, um, not ultimately, not primarily by um, handling all the fraudulent currency, but by over and over again handling the real deal and becoming so familiar with what it's supposed to be, right. what, it, what, it's, what it's designed to be, that when something slips in that it doesn't actually match the genuine article, you can recognize it. And similar to what you were just talking about there, Jim, that when, when we study economics and God's model, God's, um, God's profit and, and market system and his, and his ideas of what it means to um, make money, to have money, to steward money, uh, all these types of things, that when we understand how it's supposed to be, that when we find that it's not what it's supposed to be, we recognize it. And then, like you just said, then we have to adjust and respond and think through how is it that we can thr- seek to thrive uh, by God's grace and His providential care. How can we seek to thrive the best we can in a system that is um, uh, perhaps counterfeit? Uh, you know, in in terms of the analogy, uh, where when things go awry, we recognize it and then are well schooled in the real thing to to then. Um, thrive as believers and as a, as a body. And I even think being good stewards of the local church, you know, the way that the way that God takes on the gates of Hades is the local church, right? That's mm-hmm. in, that's clearly scripture, Matthew 16. And so, you know, I believe a hundred years of the church following the school model is, is what I'll say, where you've got different classrooms and you break everybody up into age groups and you wind up going down the hallway, you know, kind of like a mouse chasing a piece of cheese through a maze. Um, I, I think it's led to independence. I go to church on Sunday. I go to Sunday school. Might even go to a Bible study. But are you really dependent on the church? You know, do you really do you really love the church? And this is God's design. And so, are we really being good stewards of our time and our talents and our resources? through the local church, mm-hmm. because that's God's design. People are very quick to identify that the church is not the building. Right. The church is the people. Right. Yeah. There's a major element to that. Right. Well, then what does that mean to us? Right. How, what does that actually, what difference does that make? Right. And, um, and, and really what you just described there is that the church has an economy, uh, a, a stewardship, an organization, and a, a um, profitability and loss uh, evaluation of various on various levels. Yeah, and we talk about no neutrality. Like everybody knows that it's Christ or chaos. Um, the reality is, you're either more dependent on the local church or you're less dependent. And if you're less dependent, you're more dependent on the world. Like mm-hmm. those are your two choices. And so, God's design is the local church, which is an uh, in this day and age so underrated and so underappreciated mm-hmm. and so under understood. And we just default into a system of being independent, and if I don't like this church, then I'll just go somewhere else. You know, I watched the um, recent release of the Canon documentary, this uh, Sage Against the Machine, about uh, George Gilder, which is really fantastic. And um, he told a story that was told originally by Margaret Mead, and it was these uh, indigenous people, uh, island people, 
uh, who their ancestors built these uh, boats, canoes, and they would go out into the ocean and they would catch a bunch of fish and they would they, they, they had a thriving society, at least economically, relative to their fishing capabilities because they knew how to build these boats. And But what she, what she found out was that this particular current generation that she was uh, dealing with, they were forlorn and looking, you know, sitting on the, on the, uh, on the shores of the, of the ocean, looking out longingly and wonder, wondering what are they going to do to feed themselves because they had actually lost the ability, the knowledge, they lost the knowledge of how to build those boats. Their ancestors knew, but they didn't do it. And I, re I t retell that story a little bit here, and I hope you all watch that documentary. But the um, I retell that story because similar to what you were just talking about, Jim, that um, it's not that the church never knew how to do this, right? But yet, in some ways, we've lost some of that knowledge with, with some of what you're talking about. That when we we lose a sense of even the, the economy of the church, when we lose a sense of what it means to belong and how to do church together, what it means to be a, a a people, a body that that is dependent and connected to to one another in in very real, tangible ways. Um, we, we can we can starve <laughs> right. because we forgot how to build the boats. Right. And the reality is, is we have to. The, the, thankfully, God has not left us without a witness. We have the 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 tools, and um, there are those who have given us um, the knowledge if we would receive it. Um, to know how to do those things. Yeah, I love that discussion. And you, like I've talked about this so often, discipleship in most churches is theology, which it is, but it's so much more than that. It's it's everyone is designed uniquely, and so how do you how do you disciple somebody into being the best welder in the world? Like that's that's the objective is to take God's design for that person and disciple them into who they are. It's not just theology or or just into a missionary. You know, you, we heard that even this morning. Oh, I want to be a missionary. Well, you already are. <laughs> like if if you're walking out around the world, you're a missionary. And so, you know, we uh, the church has a lot of room. The universal church has a lot of room for improvement. I pray that we would also, as the local church, uh, do well in focusing on God's true design for the local church, which is amazing and truly underappreciated. Well, this is for all of us. We hope this is going to be... Um helpful for all of you uh, as we engage in it. So the, the theme for season two of uh, the It's Time for Truth podcast is Truth and Finances, Exploring Biblical Economic Principles for Faithful Living. Um, and so in, in season two, uh, we're going to be embarking again on this journey to uncover the unchanging truth within the biblical realm of finances. And so we hope that you join us along this way. We want to talk about uh, what the scripture does related to the path of sound stewardship Again, I think we've just been trained, and I know in my upbringing in the church, sometimes you hear the word stewardship, and the only thing that we're thinking people think of is um, we're going to be talking about giving to the church. And uh, there certainly, of course, would include an element of that, but it is, that's actually really a small part of the whole big picture, and that's not what we're after. Uh, so sound stewardship, um, ethical business practices, that's part of, of thinking about finances and economics. Uh, also, the pursuit of justice. Perhaps you wouldn't have you put maybe you put that in a different box. You put that in the in the political box. But no, this is actually an economic box. It's it's in both areas, but it's an economic box. Uh, we also want to look at you know through the lens of biblical wisdom. We we do want to equip all of us with the knowledge and the insights needed to navigate all the intricacies of economics while staying true to God's eternal truths. And so uh, we're going to cover everything from economics to just war theory. 
uh, again, Just War Theory is probably the most um, uh, requested uh, <laughs> show that we do. And so uh, I've, I've started even listening to some things and, we'll, uh, and, and reading some things. So we'll continue to um, prepare ourselves for that type of thing. We already have some a measure of idea, but we'll, we'll get there eventually. We are in Idaho, and we do have a lot of hunters <laughs> inside of our congregation. People want to know when does the shooting start, <laughs> um, but we we need to get uh, we need to get things grounded um, in a, a number of different ways. Yeah. Um, and so, what we want to do with this season, and of course, in our Sunday evening teaching time, uh, which is going to be coming up once we finish our series on anthropology, we're in the middle of talking about um, marriage, and as well, we'll get to some parenting, and then following that, we're going to have a evening uh, series on stewardship and economics as well. So uh, several opportunities. This is not all just repeat, but we, uh, we're we going to be kind of really hitting this area hard and we'll be seeking to apply uh, in various ways. Yeah. And it's interesting. You talked about justice and economics and do they go together? And I, I, we've got Proverbs 16, 11, and I love it. A just balance and scales belongs to the Lord. All the weights of the bags are his concern. Clearly the, the, the scales and the just balance is for doing business in the marketplace. That is economics. There mm-hmm. is clearly talking about economics. Yet at the same time, he's saying that the scales and the weights, the bags are his. So if you're if you're doing things unjustly, God is aware. And so, you know, we've talked about this. It's not just the gray side of the gospel. You also have the law. And you see it in everything, even in economics. You have economics, but you have to do it God's way. And such an important concept today. Oh, very good. And as you bring that up, right, the, um, sometimes we think of grace and law as antithetical to each other, but actually God's grace is in his law, right. which is which is wonderful uh, for our good. Right. And so as we align our thinking and our principles and our practices uh, with what corresponds to his truth and his law, um, then we understand uh, a bit more of, of his providence and care and, and what he has for us. Um, but yeah, it is important to recognize that um, all the affairs of men God cares about. They're, right. they're, you know, He cares about every every part of our lives. Nothing is off limits, um, and so that's that's an important element. Yeah, and again, I think most churches today, when they when we talk about economics, it would immediately go to stewardship, and then even within stewardship, it would immediately go to giving. You know, that's always the focus. Is you know, here's the principles on giving and. My point is economics is so much larger than that. It's it's the economy of ethics. It's the economy of justice. It's the economy of how we do business and what business labor do and we family. Do. Right. Yeah. Right. And 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 it's interesting the balance because we are balancing um, all of our priorities. And so there there is you you can't cheat the scale. You can't skip priorities. You can't skip going to church. You can't skip God um, and jump down to work because you like that part of it. And so you're constantly weighing your priorities and balancing those things. And it's it, those things are economic because if you spend all of your time working, you're not being a good steward of your time, right? And that's not God's design. So it, it impacts every area of life. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. Yeah, all of these, they, they get into, uh, hopefully you're getting a, a, a picture that this really encompasses all of life because uh, as you're pointing out there, Jim, um, economics deals with matters of priority. Right. It deals with matters of the heart and uh, and the 
the idolatries that are in our heart, whether it's the love of money or whether it's the pride, even in my own ability to produce, um, you know, talking about why it is that we pray before our meals. Those are economic issues and principles. Uh, in the acknowledgement that our ability to make money, our ability to put food on the table um, does, is not sourced in us. So it becomes a theological issue. It becomes uh, a matter of gratitude. It becomes a matter of dependence uh, and a matter of humility and uh, all of these types of things, uh, even just down to our bodies and the, how we take care of our bodies and health. Those are economic elements. Right, Mr. Sorback? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it's funny you hit on that because as we go through the study, even the Sunday night, and we talk about being more dependent on the church and less dependent on the world, we have a, we have a medical system today that is, I would say, less trustworthy than it was five years ago, right? I mean, we saw the, the tyranny of COVID and, and the exposure of doctors caving to what I would call financial incentives. And so you have to look at that and go, am I being wise? You know, and, and one way of bringing wisdom to that is being healthier. Like if you're healthier, you're going to see doctors that are questionable less. Mm. And so it's a, it's interesting as we think about the economics of our body. It's it's a really interesting concept, Danny, and and it covers such a broad spectrum that uh, it's going to be a fun study. It's going to be a great time. No, I, I really think so. Um, I think we're we're, look, we're getting more excited about it as we put it together. Um, and again, much of the world and. You know, even Big Eva will tell you that economics originated as a branch of moral philosophy, but was abandoned in the 19th century more as derogatory and dismal science. And um, and actually, I, I um, again this I coming off of listening to that documentary by um, related to George Gilder, and what a what a monumental figure he was. I I, I didn't realize the the impact that he's had, and so um, encourage you. He wrote a book called Wealth and Poverty which uh, became the primary economic book uh, and philosophy of Ronald Reagan in the 1980s. Um, but one of the things, one of the myths that he's sought to um, uh, expose and, and to destroy, and it kind of comes back to this view of the world and Big Eva re relative to economics. The economics, capitalistic e economics, which we would still try to um, marginally identify the United States with a capitalist system because it's certainly, um, uh, it's, it's definitely not a pure one. Right. The um, capitalism was seen to be that which was based on greed. Right. Well, if, if, you're, if economics and capitalism is about greed, that becomes something that the church and pastors, they, we, we want to stay away from that. Right. It, it, you're, you're dealing in an area which is inherently muddied and sullied by uh, by avarice and greed and and self and uh, all of these different things that are not spiritual, we need to be rescued from those things rather than seeing that there is a value and worship and glory to be found in these things that God has created in this world. And so in, in terms of um, why the world, would walk away from that, and why church, or not walk away, but the but why churches especially um, would minimize this or ignore this topic. Outs again, outside of you know, some some people view some Christians and pastors view the people in the world are economically driven uh, out of necessity, but it's so, sort of a necessary evil, and the way you redeem that is they fund all of our projects. In the church, right? 
So um, the dignity of work, the value, and, and we're going to we'll get into this eventually as well, the, the idea of the reformational work ethic and, the, and the, the dignity and the value of the common man who's, who's laboring in the fields and in the, in the shops and so forth. But, but, but so much of, of evangelical thought towards economics is a necessary evil. Therefore, what we do then is we then um, seek to separate the people from their money, give it to us who are in the business of spirituality, and we will uh, better use it uh, for the sake of, the, of building the kingdom or missions or, what, or, or, or our building projects or or uh, uh, hiring someone else. The, the, the issue is we will use that money and redeem it for good because everyone else is just really participating in, it in only what is necessarily evil. We have moved to a white-collared church world is, mm. is essentially what it is. It's, it's target the ones that are going to fund the projects that we need. Um, I wouldn't say guilt, but I would say teach on stewardship of giving only. And everyone else is there, but they're not a necessity. It's It's the you know, the 80-20 rule of church budgeting, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, a huge danger because that has nothing to do with discipleship, that has nothing to do with economics, has nothing to do with God's blessings. Um, and we learned that from the poor little lady that put two minutes in the, in the offering. She gave more than anyone because her attitude was right. And so we need to care about God's design for people individually and not care about what they make or don't make, knowing that's a blessing from God. So, yeah, and and we we want to be mindful too that the um, the the church and pastors uh, don't don't just exist to uh, to take people's money to then do what's really valuable. No, the people um, are are doing also what is valuable, and we need to acknowledge that and and lift that up and and. Um, you know, highlight that those are important things. Yeah, and and I think I think because economics has gotten a bad rap because it's tied to um, what I would say systems of management of money, you know, capitalism or socialism or communism, that a lot of people don't think the Bible talks about economics at all. And you and I know that's a hundred percent inaccurate. And in our elder interviews of our two elder candidates, one of our questions, uh, two of our questions, really centered around: Do you believe? in biblical economics, that there is such a thing as biblical economics, because I've been places where the uh, view of pastors and the church is, uh, there isn't a a biblical economic uh, system or or set of principles that even a nation should be guided by. And so what what that's led to, Jim, is, well, um, the Republicans have one way of viewing economics. And the Democrats have another way of viewing economics, and they're 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 just there's not a right or wrong. There's not a right or wrong. Exactly. They're just different, and and actually, what, then it comes down to well, but who is more compassionate, right? Who has who has the moral high ground, right. In in the in what they claim to be the purposes and the directions of what they're doing. The Democrats are trying to promote their feelings and their compassion, and they they care about the little guy. Um, and th- again, the capitalist on the Republican side, he just cares about money. He cares about the big businesses. He cares, and he's, which basically means that's a greed system. And so then you get into the issues of voting and you get into the issue of abortion and, and people, this is where you get this, the, the, the more, the latest elements of big Eva and wokeism, this idea of, uh, Hey, you single issue voters, right? 
don't you know that there are bigger bigger issues? Because no, and and there's something true it because the Republicans have been largely uh, inept and and feckless at on the abortion issue because right. they they can run on it. Um, so they haven't solved the issue in all these years of voting. So there's something to that. However, it's but you can go on the side that actually promotes and loves death. And, but they have more of a compassionate economic system, and they've got all these other elements um, to where that are seen to be, again, uh, neutral, just or just different. Right. And 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 so what you have is you is you do have a uh, liberal Christian view of economics. It's a view of economics, right. uh, but it's it's more of a of a negative, and it's not a biblical, comprehensive worldview view of economics. Yeah, we're going to care for the oppressed and the poor. Because that's what the liberals are saying they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're not, but that's what they're while they're stealing. That's what they're saying they're doing. Right. They're actually, you know, this. They're creating more of a dependency on the government as opposed to that's right. teaching people to stand on their own and actually work. Um, they get to theological issues because what happens is is that in this system of economics, um, there are principles that relate to dependence upon God and trusting in His providence, and others are saying trust in the government. The government will be your father, and even to the level of being your god. So give everything over to the government, and the government will take care of you. That that is a system and a philosophy of economics um, that is, of course, uh, antithetical to Christianity and right. to the Scripture. And then, and then, as I said, the the white collar church is an identical reflection of our government. Like it is focused on the large donors instead of the people that actually matter. And and it's not that everyone matters. It's that everyone is designed uniquely and gifted uniquely and needs to instead be Instead of looking up. down on some people. Right. 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 Exactly. Exactly. So these are, um, these are all important things. We're just scraping the surface here. Um, but let's talk a little bit um, just about economics. We're just going to try to set things up for the, yeah. the full discussion today. Uh, economics, uh, even the, the word in, in terms of the, a Greek root, um, is uh, uh, oikonomia. This, this word, you kind of hear the word economy <laughs> in, the, in the, the sound of it. Um, but the, the, the word here of oikos, that, that's the idea of a house. And what it what the word really means? It's about house management, the affairs of a household, uh, specifically the management, oversight, administration of property, the office of a manager or overseer, or again the word steward. And by the way, Danny, that's straight out of the Bible. Like that word is all over Scripture. It is economics is all over Scripture. What we hear a lot of translations is that it's stewardship, but the reality is it's stewardship. So economics is the idea of, I call it house law. It's the idea of how are you going to manage, oversight, administer, taking Res- dominion. Resources. Right, yeah. resources, taking dominion. Yep. You know, back to Genesis 1. The stewardship piece is actually just applying economics. It's The stewardship is my method of doing economics in my household. And so my method of managing my time, my method of managing my resources, my giftedness. And so... Stewardship is a subset, a further definition from economics, but it springs from economics. So to say the Bible doesn't talk about economics is pure foolishness. Definitely, definitely. And I I love, you know, you read that definition where it's management, oversight, administration of properties. That's straight out of Genesis 1. It's straight out of the dominion mandate. And, you know, I love that picture where we are called to take dominion over the earth 
meaning go out and pursue property, right? Obviously that's part of it, but you do that with what? You do that with other families. You do that with other people and, and working together at the, at the household level, not at the government level. And the household level, yeah, leads you then to, uh, uh, families, uh, doing things together in community. And, and so then you have uh, communities and, and local economics, then you've got national economics and even world economics and right. all those types of things they, they do play together. And, um, we're going to try to, what we're going to talk a lot about at some point as well is the idea of, of seeking to be less dependent on a global economic system right. and to, and to look more towards local and and back to family and actually a group a smaller group of families that having a sense of dependence and and uh, care for each other in in their own lives um and just another quick aside here is um th- the immediate thing that comes to my mind when i think of when i say biblical economics the, the, the primary thing that comes to my mind is the law of God, you shall not steal. Because baked in to that moral law is the law of personal property. Right. Um, and that's really, that's economics, right? The issue of property, the issue of resources, things that people have. And when we get into things like um, the World Economic Forum, you will own nothing when you hear you will, you will own nothing, you immediately should know that is anti-biblical. Right. At, on its face, immediately, full stop, it's anti-biblical. Yep. Because the foundation of, of biblical economics in the law of God is related to the, the reality and the fact that there's personal property that God, again, giving individuals and, and communities the, the idea of, of taking dominion, the resources of the world, and making something of it and managing it and, and using it for the glory of God, um, that those things are actually given to us to be stewards of. It all belongs to God. Right. And that's a key principle. But yet it is recognized that when it does belong to individuals who are stewarding and to, and to steal is, um, is, to, is to really take a blow against uh, the economics of God. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally agree. And I even, I, I would go all the way to, to property taxes is theft. It's illegal. It's overreach on the government's part to, to tax the property that you supposedly own and you know, this is, this is the uh, death by a thousand cuts, right? If, if you don't know, you don't know. And the reality is, is we pay property taxes. So we rent our house. We really don't own it. If you have, if you can tax it, then it is a, what you tax is a claim to ownership. Right. That's another um, economic principle and, and so forth. So the things that are taxed, if you keep looking around, you're going, they're taxing this, and they're taxing this, and they're taxing this. They tax your house. They tax your car. They, they tax, tax your, your food in most yep. places, right? Yep. They tax your income. So essentially, they own you. So we'll have to get, maybe get into at some point, too, uh, definitions of what it means to be a slave. Yeah. Um, and and we, we fancy ourselves as free men. But again, whatever you tax is a, is a claim to ownership. Right. And so we need to uh, we need to be mindful of these things, and we need to talk about those things um, and understand where we're at. Well, economics uh, further uh, just relates to it's based on the issue of matters of production. They deal with uh, discussions of distribution, 
of consumption of goods and services. And so um, all these types of things. In Genesis 1.28, um, it, it says, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, you have this, this comprehensive uh, vision of man's role in the world uh, to to take the things of the world and to and to um, and to subdue and to rule those those ideas of of taking dominion and control and and not for the sake of, of of abuse at all the idea is for the sake of use for the sake of value for the sake of building and making it better right the idea of of having a vineyard is is the idea of making it bigger and planting more seeds and having what what is produced from the grapes uh, um, uh, made valuable and available to others and and how it benefits you but it doesn't just benefit you it benefits others and all those things come together in this dominion mandate where we where we do this as a human race as and people. and in this picture you had it through families you would have more children who would have more children and you'd have families along with that expansion of families was giftedness. Because every one of those individuals are gifted uniquely by God. They're designed uniquely. And so as you expand the base of giftedness, you expand your ability to take dominion. You actually now have a person that is a technologist that can build tools, and you've got a person that can do this and that. And Do you mean to say that large families are a means of economic growth? <laughs> it is. And, and, and today's design is the local church. It's still through families, but... God has designed such that that we can take dominion through the local church. And, and you know, that's not a, a positive post-mill view you're hearing, but the reality is that's a truth that God's designed. And, and we know this in our church body. We know we have men and women that are gifted across multiple chasms and probably not using them as effectively as they can. Hence why we want to teach on this, to actually to stimulate people into what they can do. And then create a dependency on each other, which again, I think this is where we as a local church or as a, as a church overall is where we really fall down. And the reason we fall down is because when we can become dependent on other people, we bring the sin into it. You know, when you marry somebody, I love that you say, the problem is, is you've got two sinners and you combine that and it's greater than one. And so now we have a church body of that, but, but that actually means that you've got a, to be dependent on each other but you also learn to love each other because you have problems. And, and we've been trained to think that, um, again, going back to that documentary on George Gilder, he points out that a lot of economic views see people as mouths, right? Cons right. Consumers, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, this idea of overpopulation, which is a total myth, the, the idea of, of, well, that's a lot of mouths to feed, as opposed to minds uh, that are able to think and be creative and to expand the pie, to, to, to cause it to grow. As a, if everybody thinks it as a zero-sum game, it's a, uh, just in, only about uh, scarcity, limited resources, as opposed to, see, when, when we talk about the idea of being fruitful and multiplying as part of this mandate, um, God isn't giving us a model for starvation. He's giving us a model for growth right. and for flourishing. And so being fruitful and multiplying and, and having many children, and, I, and we've seen this even, I remember just you know, in our family growing up, you heard the interview with my dad, the idea of having uh, a larger family and having, and, and actually in our case, also having a lot of boys, 
we actually contributed to the feeding of ourselves. And but whereas people look at their children, not not the children aren't expensive, and they don't, and they're, they're not, uh, there aren't elements to that. But it's it's a, they're not just a drain. They're not just a mouth that is only consuming um, and only eating. But you actually have in that system, in that economy of a household, built in producers and those who are going to grow, like you said, to um, to make things and build things and be creative in the world to 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 expand what is produced. And that's a, a, a beauty of God's design. Yeah, it truly is. I mean, man's ability, because we're created in the image of God, our ability to, I'll call it innovate, is so high. Look at the Tower of Babel. Look at what these men were doing in a wrong way, but they clearly were doing it. So, you know, there's so much we can cover here and so many ways we can go. Um, you know, to- Toby Sumter did a great one. I'm going to skip way ahead, but he did a great subject on wisdom is wealth. And there's so much, again, you can't skip priorities. So you've got to focus on God first, but it's this idea of, um, you know, when you, you have God's wisdom, he blesses you. And, and we see this over and over in scripture. We see it with Joseph and well, Solomon's that big one. Solomon. I was thinking about that just yeah. earlier. You know, they grew wine, they grew grapes in the desert. Well, how did they do that? Well, cause Solomon had wisdom and he put in an irrigation system, which was astonishing, not only in its day, but today, if you go over to Israel and you look at that thing, you go, that is unbelievable that they would do that in the desert. Well, and that's one of the major elements of understanding when, when God gave wisdom to Solomon. Um, the wisdom was manifested in um, his knowledge of trees, right. of animals, also of people, right? right? We see the classic example, of course, is the the um, the willingness it seemed to split a baby in two, because he understood the way of a mother, right. the heart of a mother, and so he discovered who the real mother was through through wisdom. But um, apply that type of thinking and that that scrutiny and that um, level of learning and understanding uh, to the to to the world of irrigation, I know, right, and 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 horticulture and agriculture and all these different types of things, and what did that produce, Jim? Riches, uh, um, economy, a, a flourishing in terms of wealth and production that was um, a a wonder of the world, literally. Yeah, and I I love the picture too because who was bringing him the resources to build this? The world. The world, <laughs> the world was bringing in the resources. Mm, that's an interesting. All uh, those thought, trees huh? were coming from what we would call the unbelieving Gentile world, right? I mean, it's truly, it's a beautiful picture. And I, again, I think, you know, putting God first, understanding God's wisdom and God's principles, enable you to not only, not only survive in the world, but I would argue that you flourish in the world while you're here, no matter what the environment is. You're given that wisdom, and you're able to apply it to the world in Solomon's case, to the point where they were bringing him supplies. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a, a lot here uh, further. Let's talk about a few more uh, a few more things. Let's look at a couple of scriptures just related to the idea of dominion and that which God has given man to be active in. Psalm 8, verse 6, you make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Psalm 8, 7, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field. Psalm 8, 8, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea Whatever passes through the paths of the seas, and verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that's a key element of understanding our, our view of economics. It's, it's not simply about 
how might we simply enrich ourselves? Uh, rather, we want to um, glorify the name of God because all of this, this whole world, this is our Father's world. This world belongs to Him. We've been placed here as His managers, as His stewards, to uh, to glorify Him in it. And what the beauty is, is that we have such a loving, benevolent Father that uh, that He loves to reward and give good gifts and to pay well, if you will, His children. And so He delights to bless His people. And when things, uh, when His people are uh, rebellious, when they are not uh, being good stewards, when they have uh, corrupted His garden, uh, then there are consequences and disciplines. But the main goal of God is that he might um, bless his children. And uh, and you can't separate that. You can't just categorize that as, well, that's just spiritual blessings. Well, of course there are spiritual blessings, and not everything is a is a balance sheet. But the, um, but the, the, the understanding, if you can't come away from Scripture recognizing that part of the blessing of God is to give uh, economic um, blessings to his people— uh, for uh, out of his good store, out of his out of his loving heart, um, then you're actually misreading a large portion of scripture. Yeah, no, and and the, the sheep and the oxen here are physical blessings. That's right. Like the, that is that is a spiritual blessing. Yes, it's a truth, but those are physical blessings. The way that you continue to take dominion is God is going to bless you with the ability to grow that. Well, guess what? In order to grow that, you need more sheep. It's yep. just a, a, it's a biblical truth. So oh, it's, it's a great picture. I, I love Genesis 1 and 2. I love dominion. That mandate continues to be enforced today. And we need to apply that to economics and the way that we go about life. Well, we haven't even gotten to our first segment, Jim. No, I know. That's I all know. right. We, we knew this was going to happen. But that's all the time we have for Truth Today. We want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, we hope that you will grow in your love and commitment to Christ and his church. As we are sanctified in the truth, God's word is truth.